Now here's something that's making history. Mark Evans from the British Antarctic Survey and second-year research student Emily Suavey from the Milton Keynes Open University spoke to Harry Lewis about an astonishing archaeological discovery that's been found right in the humble UK town of Rutland. I guess it all started actually in January last year. I had an email from a colleague of mine at University of Leicester who had been sent some interesting pictures on email and they seemed to show some large bones, I guess, sticking out of mud. And that's pretty much all we knew. And Dean and I looked and we thought we knew what it was, but we weren't entirely sure because I I live locally. I'm only about 25 minutes from where the thing was found. So I decided that I'd go and have a look. So I met up with a guy called Joe Davis, who manages the nature reserve at Rutland Water. And Rutland Water is the largest artificial lake in the country. And Joe took us out to an island on a, a lagoon which is part of the nature reserve at Rutland Water. And there he showed us what he'd found just sort of on the edge of, of the water. It was very, very wet, very sloppy mud. But there's enough there to confirm what Dean and I had thought we could see in the photographs, that this was part of the skeleton of a large ichthyosaur. Mark, I mean, on this preliminary little survey that you had, how much of the bone do you need to see to get that idea that you know what this dig might comprise of? With ichthyosaurs, the vertebrae are quite a distinctive shape. They're almost like sort of, I suppose, hockey pucks. And again, if you can see them at the right angle, depending how they're exposed, then they have distinctive articulations for the ribs. It was, you know, definitely a large ichthyosaur, but at that time we didn't know quite how big this thing was. And is there a range in the size or length of these creatures? The smallest ones were less than a meter, and the largest we know from good remains is probably about 21 or so meters something like that but also there are sort of uh, isolated fragmentary remains which suggest that they might have got larger than that so maybe 25 six seven meters maybe which is approaching the size of you know large living whales mark you better put us out of our misery what actually is an ichthyosaur well ichthyosaurs are superficially fish or dolphin or shark-shaped marine reptiles, and they lived in the Triassic and Cretaceous periods, so between about 250 million years ago and about 90 million years ago when they all became extinct. This is a common misconception that they're some kind of dinosaur, but they're not. They're unrelated to dinosaurs. They just happen to live at the same time as dinosaurs, but all ichthyosaurs lived in the sea, as far as we can tell. They had a dorsal fin, most of them, like a a shark or, or, or whale dolphin. They had a tail fin, which was vertical, and they had two sets of flippers. So they had front flippers and, and hind flippers. And Emily, when it comes to this form of excavation, what happens? What is it that you're brought in to do? I'll start off with the reason why I was involved is I did a master's degree at the University of Manchester, and that was focused on the large early Jurassic ichthyosaur known as Temnodontosaurus crassimanus, which we think is the same genus as the Rutland ichthyosaur. So basically, myself, along with uh, other colleagues who were brought in to basically excavate the Jurassic clay uh, off this specimen and um, ex- excavating the bones and, and so we could see the detail. I imagine this takes some uh, specific tools as well, does it? 
I mean, you would be surprised. I think we used everything from um, shovels to picks, uh, you know, and then to oyster knives and little trowels and even little popsicle sticks, little lollipop sticks, because sometimes the clay was incredibly difficult to get off the bones without actually damaging the bones. So any and every tool was used to make sure that the job was done properly. How long was that period? How long did this excavation actually take? The original excavation was due to last five to seven days, and I was there for the first part of the excavation. We soon realised that there was much more to this specimen, not just what was preserved, but how it was preserved and the, the taphonomy, so the preservation of it. So originally what we thought would take five days, was it 15 days, Mark? 14 and a half, I think, is the, the official number, but yeah, effectively it was 15 days. And was there a particular wow moment for either of you when you stepped back from what you were doing and, and kind of saw it in its entirety? Was that the moment that was, was quite big? Yeah, I think personally for me, you know, I've said it numerous times, but I, I guess every moment just being there was a wow moment for me, and especially as a an early career researcher. You know, just the the chance to be there was was incredible, and you know, you you would get quite fixated looking at the tiny details, you know, looking at tiny tiny portions of the skeleton. But you know, when like you said, you step back and you see this fantastic animal, and you know, you realise what a fantastic opportunity this is. What happens now? What point are we at? with this preservation and, and what does it mean going forward what can we learn from it i guess the end point of the excavation was when all the big parts of the skeleton were encased in plaster jackets and then lifted uh, with a great big telly handler basically a forklift truck like thing with a extending arm and the skull and the surrounding matrix the clay and the supporting frame and the plaster work weighs about a ton and the abdomen and the body section that weighs about a ton and a half. So there's a big job to be done for those to be cleaned, for the, the matrix to be removed, and that's when we can start doing that part of the science on, on, on the rest of the specimen. So often you only get the head or bits of the body preserved, and here we've got the whole thing, literally all the way down to the tiniest bones at the end of the tail, which is the size of a penny. When it's cleaned up fully, we'll have hopefully you know, some really great details of, of the bones to look at which will give us extra detail on, on these animals but also help us to work out the sort of diversity of, of animals back at this time you know, 180 or so million years ago in Rutland but it's going to be a big job. Hi, ich bin Miriam von Acast und wir lieben Podcasts, vor allem solche, die uns inspirieren. Von denen habe ich zum neuen Jahr mal ein paar rausgesucht. Podcasts, die dich bei deinen guten Vorsätzen begleiten oder einfach neue Impulse setzen können. Hier meine Empfehlung für dich. Ein herzliches Hallo an dich. Ich bin Claudia von Leben lieben lassen, dem Podcast rund um Persönlichkeit, Beziehung und Selbstliebe. Bei Leben lieben lassen gibt's Audio-Coaching mit Herz und Verstand. Inspiration, Motivation und praktische Selbsthilfe-Tools für dich, dein Leben und deine Beziehungen. Würdest du dich selbst gern besser verstehen, dich annehmen und akzeptieren, wie du bist? Möchtest du endlich glücklicher in deiner Beziehung sein? Dann hör rein beim Leben leben lassen Podcast. Ich freue mich auf dich, aber Vorsicht, das könnte dein Leben verändern.